hopefully, um, you, you, you're, if you're a visitor with us, I hope you can pick up um, a little bit of the flow of where we're at at the moment. We're obviously in a bit of a transition, which I'm going to be talking about this morning. Um, and so uh, the last couple of weeks have been, uh, would they'd usually be a little bit more kind of set and refined, if that's the way to put it, around vision and where we're going. We've kind of been more just sharing what we feel the word of the Lord is to us in terms of maybe just the prophetic kind of direction of what we need to be doing and how he wants us to posture ourselves in, um, in, this, um, in this moment. And um, I, feel like, um, I feel like this is a significant time for us. And um, I want to uh, pray and ask the Lord just to really bless the word this morning because I feel like the Lord wants us to respond this morning. Um, um, maybe all of us in, in different ways. But uh, I want to call for a response this morning, um, and so I just want you to prepare our hearts that maybe maybe the Lord might want want to speak to you. Um, is the recording working? No, it is working. Well, I just put my voice memo on just in case, um, which would be a very poor recording. But nowadays it tells you um, what um, you, you know, kind of some, it reads the building you're near if you do like a wee voice memo. So it says that we are currently in the perfume shop, right? That's that's what it, that's what it says, and so. Um, I know, I know, I know. It's the proper preacher here, but I am praying that the fragrance of Jesus <laughs> really, really would be here this morning. And I, uh, and I do sense it, do sense it during worship, sense His presence here. And I think that's been, in some ways, waiting for us to show up this morning as we've prayed and and um, fasted and lent into the Lord over the last weeks. So let me pray. Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you love to bring us uh, the presence of Jesus. You love to reveal to us the deep secrets in the Father's heart, Lord. And God, we, we just ask that you would just soften our hearts this morning, God, wherever we, we are, wherever we've been. Uh, just sense this morning as a prayer that there's some of us that you know, we've been very intentionally leaning in over the last week. You're hungry and you're desperate for the Lord to say something new. And, and God wants to speak to you this morning. But I just I just want to say it too, I feel there's some people here and, um, it, you know, it's you maybe haven't been for a number of reasons. Maybe you've just got a little bit distracted or maybe you've just been busy. And I just feel that the, this morning, even as I pray, that the Lord just wants to fast track you, <laughs> accelerate you into a place by His grace where even though you haven't come prepared this morning to really maybe be challenged or receive or to be changed, um, that this could be a really significant morning for you too. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray in these moments that you would do that. You just accelerate in the Spirit, Lord, what you're doing. Just bring people up into the flow of what you're doing. And help us to discern your work in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's been really wonderful to start the year the way we have. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Let me just get my wee flicker. Um, <clears throat> to lean uh, into God through prayer and um, fasting, be intentional, has been, has been wonderful. I've really enjoyed it. Um, God is doing something amongst us, converging our stories, aligning our hearts together 
with his, and to teaching us to gather around his presence, to listen to him, to posture ourselves right. And when this happens, when we, when we, um, when we put ourselves before the Lord, submit our hearts to his leading, and when we submit our hearts to one another, there's um, a powerful kind of one-mindedness that happens. There's a, there's a powerful kind of togetherness that happens. We see this in the early church, and it's really important when it's happening, I think, to acknowledge it. Because something special starts to happen when one-mindedness starts to happen. In the, in the book of Acts, we are told that the Holy Spirit falls when? When they were of one accord and in one place, right? That's not to say that they all cloned into the same person. They were still all very different. But there was a unity that started to happen in their diversity that was powerful. It was so powerful that everybody on the outside wanted in. Because it was a special kind of grace that brought a, a oneness. It was a... It was pulled together, and these one-minded moments are pulled together, I think, in karyos moments, that word for um, a moment in time when something significant and otherworldly, if you like, is breaking in to the one in which we live. Supernaturally, we realize we're part of something bigger. And that one-mindedness seems to be central to those moments when God breaks in throughout history. There is something going on in, in, um, <clears throat> in our lives when the Holy Spirit breaks in, um, and exploits, if you like, he takes advantage in the right sense of the word of our oneness. And uh, uh, it seems to attract the favor of heaven and uh, heaven and earth meeting these moments. And I just don't want us to take for granted what I think God's doing as he converges our stories. I certainly don't want to take it for granted. And I want to just acknowledge that I think there is something happening in that regard. And Paul carries that theme on through in the early church. He says, um, he says, um, what does he say? Um, that's what he says. He says in Philippians chapter 2, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, and intent on one purpose. In other words, um, one heart, one mind, one spirit onto one purpose. See, if you're one, if we're one-hearted, if we like like each other relationally, right? We've got the same heart, start to love one another as family. Then we've got the same mind to start to understand what God's doing and discern that together. And then you're in one spirit. You start to pray in the spirit together, and there's like a oneness that starts to flow amongst you. Then you can be on an incredible one purpose together. And, uh, and I think the Lord's doing that. And that one-mindedness kind of strengthens and resolves and develops like a steely kind of resolve about it when we find ourselves in situations like ours. You can go one or two ways. The oneness can either fragment because we're not quite sure where we're going and how it's all going to work out. And in these kind of times, you can either fragment and the oneness can break or the oneness can go to a whole other deeper level, a depth of resolve and strength that maybe we've never known before because our faith muscles have to really strengthen. And we find ourselves at the moment in what, what, um, what some people describe as a liminal space. It's what the sociologists call a time of transition. It's a, it's a place of where we get our word limbo from, yeah? I'm in a bit of limbo at the minute, the, the liminal space. And as followers of Jesus, we have to learn how to live in the liminal space. We have to learn to live in the place of in-between, not knowing where we're going, but trusting that the promises of God are good. 
And you might know different situations or circumstances in your life where this is applicable. Here's a couple of quotes just to help us understand that before we jump into some scripture. Um, Richard Rohr says this, Limina is the Latin word for threshold, the space betwixt and between. Liminal space, therefore, is a unique spiritual position where human beings hate to be, but where the biblical God is always leading them. <laughs> it is when you have left the tried and true, but have not yet been able to replace it with anything else. It's when you're finally out of the way. It's when you're in between your old comfort zone and any possible new answer. It's no fun. <laughs> he goes on to say, think of Israel in the desert, Joseph in the pit, Jonah in the belly. The three Marys tending the tomb. If you're not trained in how to hold those kind of places of anxiety, how to live with ambiguity, how to entrust and wait, you're only likely just to try and explain it and super spiritualize it, which isn't really necessarily a true explanation. You just have to hang on and hold on to the promises of God. Um, Alan Hirsch and Richard Frost put it like this. It's a place composed of any or a combination of danger, marginality, or disorientation. Disorientation or ideal and ordeal and tends to create a space that is neither here nor there, a transitional stage between what was and what is to come. And as a result, it is experienced as a place of discomfort and agitation that requires us to endure and push in to what is to come. These kind of phrases, uh, what was and what is to come, neither here nor there, discomforting and agitating. We don't really hear that many sermons preached into that place, but we all live through them. Yeah, we all live through seasons. In some ways, life is uh, the art of practicing how to let go in order to move on and into the next season. And we get often very little help, I've found in my life, in the church, in knowing how to do that. But we're always changing. And all the ancients had to learn this. All, uh, Chris read about the great um, passage of the heroes of faith. They had the sojourn. They had the pilgrimage. They had the, they had the journey. They were on a move. They, they were on a move simply because the voice that they heard was more compelling than the comfort that they'd known without knowing where exactly it was leading them. That's why they're known as heroes of the faith, because they simply followed the voice. Let's get a bit of scripture to back it all up here. Psalm 84. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, right? It's, it's quite countercultural to the way that we live our lives. I'm not saying that we shouldn't plan for a future and we're buying a house. We shouldn't think like wisely about how this might be the house for life and all of that. But so much of our culture is wired that way that we're very often seldomly a people on a move. But we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a pilgrim kind of people. We're journeying further into the things that God has for us, both inwardly in our hearts and then outwardly where he moves us. As they pass through the valley of Baca, that means the valley of weeping, they make it a place of strings. The autumn rains also cover it with pools, and they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Okay. So while it feels disorientating on this pilgrimage, while it feels like we're neither here nor there on that journey that we go on in life at times and when we feel disorientated in this liminal kind of space, the reality is and the truth is and the promises of God are you're going to go from strength to strength. And it's hard to believe that sometimes, but what if you're going to go from one, set, one place of strength to another place of strength? 
And, uh, and I just sense that there's some people here that are really trafficking some liminal spaces at the moment in your life, seasons of life. It might even be, you know, uh, it might be a location change. It may be a house change. It may be watching children grow up and leave home stage. It might be kind of moving into retirement kind of stage. It might be leaving home to go to university stage. I don't know, but I just feel like there's a lot of people and you're, tra- you're, you're traveling through that threshold and the enemy wants you to think of that threshold like press his hand against your face so that you see all the agitation and discomfort. But actually, God wants you to know that you can go from strength to strength. That's where he wants to take you. And I really want to encourage you on that this morning. That God wants to take you. And then when we apply this to our journey as a family together, God is taking us, even though it doesn't feel like us. I'm trusting God, despite all my fears and natural fears and anxieties, that he's going to take us from strength to strength. That's um, a picture that I think he's given me. I was um, praying uh, through the weekend on Thursday night. I was just spending some time with the Lord. And as I was just asking him if there's anything else he wanted to say, I started to feel like he gave me a picture um, of, um, of his hands, the Father's hands, like warm, the warm hands of a loving kind of father. Strong hands, but kind of gentle and warm. And... Uh, they were over my eyes, and uh, and so there's a sense in which it was dark, but not like a bad darkness. I just couldn't fully see the future, and uh, I was asking God, "What does it look like?" Things I'm praying about personally, and we're, Rachel and I are trying to work out like where we're supposed to live. You know, da 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 da. You know, personal kind of things that are going on as well as where are we going as a where are we going as a church and all of that kind of stuff and this transitional kind of liminal space, the agitation, the disorientation. And it just felt like the warm hands of the father come over my face, almost like a father would want to surprise his son or his daughter. And he wants to bring them into a room. But he's so excited about the place where he's bringing them that he's like, just close your eyes. Let me put my hands over your eyes. And I feel like we're in a moment where the, whole, the, where the father is just kind of, to the way he gives you a little, like, a, like a little peek, like he's, he's, opening, he's opening his fingers a little bit to let us see what it could be like. But it's better than what we could ever imagine. But we have to sometimes just rest, rest with the hands of the Father just over our eyes, knowing that they're loving us and for us. And while we can't see, He's bringing us somewhere new. And so many of us find ourselves in that place, and I want that to be an encouragement to you at this particular point. I feel like I've got a word, if it's all right, if I give it. I don't like to sometimes embarrass people. I just feel like I just really had a sense Keith and Sharon, if it's okay, not to embarrass you, who just really felt, even as I was preparing this, the Holy Spirit said to me that I know you're thinking about downsizing, um, but I feel like the Lord's saying that while you might be downsizing or thinking about downsizing physically, you're upgrading in the Spirit. And it's important. The the reason I want to say publicly is because I want us to, as a family, pray for that very specifically. You're upgrading. You're going from strength to strength. Downsizing doesn't mean less. You're going to upgrade in the spirit, and it's going to make you more nimble, I think, for the things of the Lord. So, God, I just want to pray, Lord, this over Keith and Sharon in this particular moment of their Lord life, Lord. Lord, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would take them from strength to strength. God, we declare that over their lives. Father, we pray that you would overtake, you would undertake and overrule in every situation, God. And we ask, oh God, we ask, oh God, for an upgrading 
in the things of the Spirit and upgrading and maturing into the next place that you have for them to speak with the to speak the word of the Lord into the situations you're calling them to in the years and the days ahead. Lord, we pray and we prophesy, God, that the latter days will be even greater than the former ones, O oh God, in their lives. For your goodness and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, yes and amen. Amen. So we're in a liminal space as a church. It's hard to plan. There's all sorts of scenarios that can fill your head, all sorts of preferences that we want to cling to a little bit more tightly. Uh, even want the comfort of what was tried and tested. You know, this is the way we used to do it, and it was just brilliant that way, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. It's disorientating, but we have to, we, we need something in those moments. We need an act of faith. We need courage. We need trust to stand on the promises of God. But before I talk about that, that's where we're going this morning. Before I talk a little bit more about this act of faith and trust, um, I just want to practically describe some of the things that I think we need to do in the waiting. When you are waiting, when you're on the move somewhere and you're not quite sure what that will mean or where that will take you, there are certain rhythms and practices that you just need to continue right? When, you're, when, when we're not sure how to get somewhere or what's going to happen, you still have to commit yourself to certain things. So if we as a family personally are thinking about a move, like you still do certain things, still have rhythms where you, you, you go to work and you, you, you pray as a family and you try to like celebrate family times, that you still do the things that you need to do in order to maintain who you are, even though you're not sure where you're going, all right? And as a church, it's important that we do that as well. Sometimes we talk here about the, the, how we need both a straight line and a circle, right? You're, you need a straight line for your life. Without a vision, people perish. We're going on a particular journey. But we also need certain circles, certain values and practices that we just keep doing because they're important and they shape who we are and who we're becoming. I love this from Ruth Healy Barton. I think this is important for us. Since a spiritual community exists to be responsive to the transforming presence of Christ so that we can discern and do the will of God, our practices must be consistent with the overarching purpose. Life in the community can never be done, can it, sorry, life in the community can never be about merely getting a job done, as important as that is. Now listen to this. It must, always, it must also always take into account how we get the job done and whether we're transformed or deformed in the process. You've got visions and dreams for your children, wouldn't you? You'd love them maybe to be a sports star, a teacher, or a business person. You'd love them to get there, but if they got there, and they were just a spoiled brat by the time they did, yeah, you, you know, you, you wouldn't want that. You'd sacrifice what they've got to more for who they would become. And so how we get there is as important as where we're going. I think as Martin Luther King said, the means that we choose are as important as the place that we get to. You know? And uh, it's very, very powerful because the, <clears throat> the treasure is in the journey and in the process. That's where all the best films, that's where all the best movies are made, you know? That's why they're all made. It's all about the journey. It's all about who they did, the friendships they had, how they loved one another, how they cried one another's tears, how they picked one another up, all of that kind of thing to get to where they were going. And so um, we want to continue to, to follow our practices. And to get just a bit practical for 10 minutes, let me um, 
tell you how we're going to do those before I jump on into where we're going to land this morning. As we go forward, we want to keep on doing the practices that we feel God has laid in our heart. We want to prioritize the presence of God. And so we want to continue our corporate prayers. They start again this Wednesday night over in Lurgan, and we'll continue to alternate between Lurgan and Portadown. And we'd love you to come along to those nights, just to be together, pray, seek the Lord, and to pray for those in our community, those in our church, um, and, and uh, to pray <coughs> our vision into being. We'd love you to join us at that. Um, we're really, really hoping that, um, let me do, sorry, the other two first, prayer walking. Uh, Stephen and the guys do um, a very faithful job on Friday nights of continuing to pray around um, uh, the Gavaki Road down Oban Street and other places, and um, really encourage you to come along to those if you can. It's it's not long at all. Just meet and go for a walk, pray, uh, pray over some stuff. I feel it's a vital practice for our church. If you can join them at all, please please do that on Friday nights. We want to commit ourselves to worship. We want to strengthen and develop the worship teams and the guys are working in the background and able to do that. And Johnny and others with all the stuff that needs to happen to make. As, um, to, to make worship work, and as we move venues, we want to put that in. Can I just say, I'd love us to feel more and more free together in worship. I'd love us to be increasingly coming to church ready to worship. I'd love us to come with a heart and a desire to worship, and I'd love us to free up our whole bodies and beings to give God the very best. I'd love us to be a devoted people in worship, yeah? And so when it comes to, you know, sometimes you, you can judge the worship and how good the worship team is, can't you? And well, it's good that they don't sound naff, right? It, it, like, it's important. It helps when they can sing and they can play, right? Which they can and they practice the, in order to do that. But the way that we judge worship is the state of our hearts and how much we're offered, how much we're here to give and to declare the praises and declare the goodness of God, okay? And so I just really want to encourage us as a church as we go forward. Let's, um, let's take responsibility for our own hearts to come and to give God glory and because that's where he comes and makes a throne amongst us. So let's prioritize the presence. We also, oh, and finally, like we're really hoping that we can put, even if it's quite small, we're hoping that we can put put some kind of a prayer room in the Market Street building when we get it to allow for more regular prayer for people to um, um, come into. We're still working on the plans for that, so but that's our hope, right? That we can have a little kind of private space for people to come in and we can not let the fire burn out, okay? Keep the fire burning. That's that's our hope for um, the next wee while. We want to mobilize mission. Part of the reason why it was really important for us to get another venue was that we could keep that... <clears throat> missional edge and thrust to who we are as a church and the Connect Cafe has been such a blessing in the town and so we want to encourage you to come along to that if you can help or volunteer in that and some of the guys go up the street as well on a Friday morning but let's not make that our only expression of mission in the church let's everyone every day everywhere get on with it let's um reflect Jesus in all the spheres of influence we find ourselves. It's been amazing to hear stories of many of you even the last, over the last year become more and more bold, praying for people in your work, praying for your people in counseling rooms, praying for your people in surgeries. I love that. And uh, um, I want to encourage us to keep sharing those stories and encouraging one another and um, share our story, you know, not, not in a kind of arrogant way, but there is something about what God is doing here and how um, churches have come together and submitted their hearts 
to one another to see God do something, and now we're on a move again. There's something about that when we share that humbly that I think the Holy Spirit wants to use. We're going to start a teaching series probably over the next couple of weeks on how we unfold the Great Commission in our own lives and as a church. So that's one of the ways that we want to continue to help mobilize mission. And some of the guys are going on a mission team to Uganda. Um, mission is local and um, global, isn't it? And uh, it'll be great to be able to support them in that. Growing as a family, we really want to ensure that the dynamic of family stays strong in everything that we do. And so um, while there may be some restrictions physically and practically in some of the buildings that we're looking at and stuff, we really are trying to do everything that we can to try and make that work. So if you have any ideas how we can make that even better, we'd really, really appreciate that because we want to, um, we want to keep that we're, we're a family first and foremost. We're not an organization. We're not a corporation. We're a family. And we want to make sure that that continues. And so as um, hopefully the weather improves and picks up a wee bit as the, as the months go on, we'll, we'll try and be releasing some dates of family days like we did last year. We can do some stuff together. We'd love you to remember that we are a family of families. Last Sunday night it was just beautiful to be together in the Civic Center. Just so wonderful to hear the stories of what God is doing in our different kind of churches around the wider Craigavon area. And so so please remember those, if you want to go over to Lurgan on Sunday nights at the moment, feel free to do that as well. Um, let's give and serve. Every family has chores, hasn't it? It's, it's going to make the family work. And so we can serve on a Sunday. We don't want you busy uh, in church activities. We want you released to everyone every day, everywhere, into where God has called you to be. But, you know, every, every family needs the people to put their shoulder to the wheel, don't they, to make it work. And so where you can serve in kids or in youth or in practical serving or in hospitality or in any of those areas, we'd, we'd love you to think about how you could maybe do that. And so if you'd like to get involved a bit more, please let us know. And, and let's be a giving people. I have no problem ever talking about money, uh, not because I need it in that regard, or we, with the church, we need it in, in, in that sense, just because it's incumbent on those who shepherd the flock to teach the body of Christ that giving is just a central practice for a follower of Jesus. It's just a central thing. It's an obedience issue. When you tithe, you you know, you're, we, we have a very generous church. So I want this to come across the right, but just as a point, when you tithe, you're not actually being generous. You're just being obedient. You're just giving back to God what already belongs to him in the first place. Generosity is when you kind of give even more, right? Somebody once said, paying the tithe is just like paying God rent. You know, it's his, it's his earth. You know, you get to breathe in it and live in it. You know, and you, you know, so, so let's be a giving people. And I say that, I say that because, not, not because there's like, there's some desperate need for money. I say that because you need the blessing of God released in your life. And whatsoever man soweth, that will he also reap. And uh, people say, well, I can't afford to. I just say, you can't afford not to. Um, and, you know, and so I just really want to encourage us to be a given people. I say that and out of not of a, need, a need for anything, as I say. But if you'd like to, to give and to give wisely, it's good to gift it. You know, it's a good steward of the money. And we've got ways to do that in the front of your seats all the, every every week. And there's, there's, there's standing orders and different ways that you can give. But let's continue just as a family to, to be a given people and also to give to one another in, in love and in hospitality and in kindness and all of those kind of things. And, and then finally, we want to... <clears throat> 
develop some smaller groups over the next uh, um, six months. We'll be we'll be talking a little bit more about that, not to get into too much this morning, but we do want to trial some smaller groups over the next number of weeks and months. And um, But we'd also love to encourage you on the Wednesday nights that um, Stephen has been doing a brilliant job at just guiding, that we're going to be rolling out some stuff there on Wednesday nights that we hope we'll be able to multiply into smaller groups as we go forward. And uh, we know that that will really help us to strengthen as a family. Last last couple. Um, we really want to invest in youth, in youth. We have been. We've got just been so blessed with kids. We've had like I think this will be our fourth dedication to already <laughs> um, coming up in a couple of weeks. So so we're, we're really blessed with lots of young people, children in our church, and um, some brilliant foundations already laid. And the program is exceptional, and we really want to strengthen that. And so we're working hard within in the new facility to be able to do that as well. We could do with a couple more young people to our sorry could do with a couple more uh, volunteers to help with um, our kids stuff and so if you could help in that please to strengthen the teams we'd, we'd love to hear from you and uh, and as we go forward over the next six months we'd really love to develop the the young adults that are around and the older teenagers and try and put a little bit more shape to that going forward um, because we, we really want to see them grow and develop and that um, and that increase you know um, with um, the next generation coming through. As we train leaders, we have our Ignite course, which quite a few of you are doing, which is brilliant, and some other leadership cohorts that are strengthening our understanding of the apostolic and how we want to see churches planted and leaders in the house of God. And then finally, we um, as we as we make a move kind of a bit more centrally in town, we've already developed some really good relationships with other leaders in the Portadown area. We want to commit ourselves to that a little bit more. I know I want to make it a priority over the next six months just in terms of relationships with some of the other ministers to deepen and develop them. And then with our Tabor Network, which is our understanding of um, uh, the apostolic within the movement of the of churches, what God's doing in the land, and how we feel that as a manual, God has given us a grace to support and bless and uh, release the church in Ireland. And we have a couple of events, and the one I want to particularly draw your attention to. I've put the wrong date in. Sorry. Sorry. The 14th and 15th. That should be the conference. Should be the 14th and 15th of June. Okay. I'd really love you to put that in your diary. Um, we will have a brilliant lineup. Last year was just the highlight of my year. Basically, it was at the Bar Conference last year. It was just an incredible moment where the Holy Spirit just did something incredible, poured himself out upon us in a new way. I felt changed. I don't feel I've been the same since. Um, and uh, we really feel that like God really wants us to build upon that. Uh, for next year, we'll release who's speaking and stuff like that in um, the weeks to come. But if you could really chart that in your diaries, it will probably sell out, I would say, once you release tickets relatively quickly because it sold out last year and it was really good. So I'm hoping that most people want to come back. <laughs> and uh, But we will make it a priority for our own church people to be there um, um, and then have a deadline for that and then have to release other tickets after that. So that's, that'll be the 14th, 15th of June. Okay. So those are some of the rhythms and practices of what we know that we're going to commit ourselves to keep on doing. Yeah. And in the meantime, as we think about a longer-term location and as we think about where God is leading us in the long time, we want to learn how to wait and presence ourselves around the presence, humble ourselves around the Lordship of Jesus. Yeah, 
understand the fragrance of his presence in us and on us and learn, like I said last week, as Obed-Edom did, to steward his presence really, really well. And so in the last 15 minutes or so this morning, I want to talk to you about how we have faith in this liminal space. How do we wait? How do we wait before the Lord? How do we maintain a posture of waiting before God? And in our world today, I think it potentially takes more courage than ever to wait, right? Because we don't really have to wait for anything too much. Sure, we don't. We get a bit stressed if we're waiting too long in the drive-through of McDonald's these days, don't we? Um, never mind waiting for the more important things in life. And God wants us, I think, to learn how to wait before him. You know, to waste some of our time just sitting around his feet. And and to have faith in his promise that he knows what we're doing. I, I really do believe that in the years to come, as we think back on our story and as we reflect on our story here as Emmanuel, maybe our, let's imagine our 10th birthday. wonder what that's going to be like, right? But I think we'll look back at this point. I really do. I really think we'll look back at this point and go, that was a time, quite a spectacular time in terms of just the presence of God being poured out upon us and us learning how to wait on him. That we were graced by God, we were humbled and harnessed by God, that we died all over again to our own self and our ego and our flesh and where God got a hold of our hearts and they were holy His. I really do feel that we're going to look back on this time. Because in the waiting more than any other time, more than when we're succeeding, more than when we're on the mountaintop, in the waiting, God refines us. He weans us off the things that we get identity and security from externally. He weans us from those things so that we might draw from the fire hydrant of his love. He is the source. And um, God is doing that at the moment. And so as we wait and as we activate faith and as we traverse this liminal space, as we kind of modern day pilgrims journey together and how, and how we navigate this threshold that I believe that we're on is we, and how we learn how to steward the presence like Obed-Edom is, is by building altars, is by staying in the place of sacrifice and surrender before the Lord. And all those who lived by faith did this. Abraham and David and many others, they built altars. And uh, when they built altars, they got altered. They got altered into the, the transforming, through the transforming presence of Jesus into his nature. Something happened, something changed inside them. And arguably, the greatest altar ever built in the, in, in the Bible outside the sacrifice of Jesus himself was the one that kind of is supposed to wreck your head. Because if it doesn't, it, then I don't know if you're really kind of really engaging with the text properly. But arguably, the greatest altar ever in the Bible outside of Jesus' own sacrifice was when Abram laid his son Isaac on the altar. Obviously, such a massive foreshadowing here, which we could preach on for a week, around God giving his own son, Jesus. But this is what I really want to get across this morning. When, I, when Abram led Isaac on the altar, the son of promise, the one he'd waited for all of these years, and God, through all of the tests, finally gives the son of promise to Abraham and Sarah, 
And as the son of promise is then years later laid on the altar, the reality is God didn't ever really want Isaac. He wanted Abraham. He wanted his heart. He wanted his heart all over again. And I, I, I kind of feel this morning that there's some of us, and there's particularly some of us who've been on the road for a while. Like Abram, we've led altars in the past. We've responded to altar calls in the past. We've, we've surrendered to Jesus before. We've actually been even steward in the promise of God for a while. But I, I feel there's a moment for you this morning. Lay it all down again. Lay it all down. Draw me close to you. You're my desire. Nothing else will do. I lay it all down again. Why? To hear, to hear your word, Jesus. To hear you say, I'm your friend. And the Holy Spirit, I think, this morning has brought his people here in the Port of Down. He's been testing us in different ways. And he, he brings us to this point again. I just, I just want your heart. Why? Isn't that enough what I've already given you, God? And God says, I want to teach you how to love me the way I love you. I want you to love me in the same way as I love you. Completely, totally, wholly. And so if it feels slightly uncomfortable and agitating and all of that this morning, do you know, do you know why he does that? He just loves you too much. He's answered your prayers. You know all those songs that you've sung? Do whatever you want, God, and Lay it all down. He's like, I heard them. I see your heart. And you're worth partnering with, God says. So would you lay it all down again? Let's read the text for a moment and let the word of God speak to us. Let's remember the story. That's in my notes, which I copy and pasted. Okay. Sometime later, God tasted Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. There's somebody that understands the God story, isn't it? Abraham. Welcome to the plot. And back here, God, he's all, he always just kept saying, here I am, here I am. And then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abram got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac, and when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abram looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I go and the boy go over there. We will worship. First mention of the word worship in the Bible. Interesting how much it's bound up with sacrifice, isn't it? We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abram took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on the son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. The two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abram replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Can you imagine how the heart of heaven was pierced at that moment? Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? 
Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood in it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know. Now I know. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld me from, from me, your son, your only son. And Abram looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. And he went over, and he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abram called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abram from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of their cities, of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Incredible scripture. The first time, as I said, the word worship is used. It helps us realize that true worship, the true biblical worship, it's not just the singing of songs, but it's bound up with sacrifice, which is why, because worship is about denying yourself to give worth to another. And that's why we bring a sacrifice of praise. That's why we present our bodies as living sacrifices, because we get obsessed with the worship of ourselves just by how much time we give it. And so I feel like this morning God is calling us into that place of, of sacrifice. And as I said there, for those of us who have maybe been tested in the past, this is at least the fourth altar that we know of that Abram built. Okay, so you've probably had times in your life before um, where you've built altars, but God says there's still life. There's still life. There's another season. And in fact, this legacy that you're going to leave behind depends on this moment. Depends how you will respond in this moment that I'm calling you to lay it all down again. There's a whole level of blessing for the nations. There's numerous stars in the skies. And so I think God is looking down this morning and here's what he's looking for. A now I know moment. See, when God gets a heart that he goes, holy his, lays it all on the altar, the promises of God even, and God can look down in a heart and go, now I know. That's a heart that he can partner with. That's a heart that his actual dreams and purposes can come to pass through. That's how we tra traverse the liminal space. We come up and we build an altar. You might think, and I'm not telling anybody what to do this morning and trusting the Holy Spirit to do that, but you might think, I've been a Christian for years, I know this kind of stuff. I've actually preached that sermon a few times before as well. But, but what if, what if God's saying, I, I know that, but you don't see what's ahead. You don't see what's ahead. Cause my, but if you trust my loving hands over your eyes, it's just, I'm going to open them soon if you'll lean into this place of altar. And he does it, as I said, because he loves us. He does it because he wants us to love him in the same way as he loves us. He wants us to share that depth of covenantal love more than we could imagine. And so he says to us, are you prepared to die again? Are you prepared to lay it all down so I can show you something more? So the invitation this morning is to love him even more. That's the invitation.
Do you want to love him even more? Because that's how we access the kingdom. Do you know that woman came in to Simon the Pharisee's house? And he thought he'd got all the religious stuff right. He'd probably preached this sermon a few times too or things like it. And then there was a woman that just unashamedly just abandoned herself and her heart desperate for Jesus. And Jesus started to tell that little parable, you know, saying, well, let me tell you a story. You know the guy that you know, owed lots of money and the guy that owed little money? Who do you think loved more? Or who do you think was more appreciative? says the one that was forgiven much and Jesus says something along the lines of she, she has been given she has been forgiven much will love much it's, it's not your moral upstanding in the community that really matters in the eyes of God I'm not saying that's not unimportant it's how much do you love him how much do you love him how much do I love him how much do I love God humble hearts that respond to him. And the thing about this story, and I feel like this is just where I want to leave it this morning, I'm going to call us to respond. Two things to say to finish. The first thing is, we find out in any encounter in the Bible when somebody like this captivates the heart of God, <clears throat> God reveals his name. And God reveals his name at this particular point of Scripture. We're only 22 chapters into the Bible at this point. We learn that God is Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. And God will provide for us, even though we're not, you know, we, we want to hold on because we think we need to provide for us and we need to provide for our families. And God says, but if you, if you lay even your family on the altar, I'll provide for them and more. And God provides a lamb. And, you know, in the big picture, God provides for our sin. Yeah, God provides the Lamb. God provides the Lamb of God, Jesus himself, who comes and takes away the sins of the world. Something has been provided for us that so we can be forgiven. But, you know, that's not just our sins forgiven. That's our whole lives. Look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Every promise in Christ is yes and amen. God has provided. That means when you come up to the front, if you feel like God is calling you to do that this morning, and kneel or stand and say, God, it's all on the altar, what you're saying is, Jesus, you're enough. Christ, you are enough for me. You are more than enough. When I get Jesus in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And all of those things I'm worried about. And all those things I want to keep hold to because I think I need to be in control. And all the safety that I love and all the comfort that I just love and the way that I've been doing things for so long, God, and you couldn't really take that from me. All of that, when you kind of break out of that place and come to the front, what you're saying is, Jesus, you're enough. You alone are enough. Jehovah Jireh, God, my provider. Maybe God wants you to test that over your life, over your family as we finish. And the last thing I want to say, without complicating this too much this morning, when you jump forward in the story, about a thousand years later in the story of God, there's a man called David, and we know about David, and we learned last week about how David 
wanted and had to learn how to steward the presence of God. But at the very end of David's life, he did something, and again, which God told him not to do, which was take a census. And he added up all the people that he had because he wanted everybody to think, look how many people I have, which is easy for us to do. And God had to rebuke him, and there was a plague came in the land. And David had to go and build an altar before the Lord for the plague to stop. God's anger had been aroused. And David has an encounter with the prophet called Gad, and he comes and he tells him to go and build a threshing floor, to, to go and build an altar at the threshing floor of a guy called Aruna. And the, the, the guy who owned the threshing floor says, you're the king, I'm just giving it to you. you. You don't have to pay for it. And David says, no, I'm paying for it. He says, no, you're the king, and you don't have to pay for it. And, um, and we're told that the king says this, but the king replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I won't sacrifice, I won't worship, sorry, if it doesn't cost me. I won't worship if it doesn't cost me. Worship and sacrifice are bound up together. And you know what the really interesting thing about this story is, right? That David, if you know the story, wanted to build a temple for the Lord. And God said, no, but your son will build a temple because you've been a man of war. And he's going to. And so David prepares for the temple. And we, when we read in Second Chronicles, when Solomon, his son, builds a temple, look at this. Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father, David. It was on the threshing floor of this guy. So Solomon builds the long-term, you getting where I'm going here? Solomon builds the long-term location for the house of God on the place of sacrifice, on a place called Moriah. Now, if you were listening to the minor details of the story of Abram, you would know that the place where Abraham also sacrificed Isaac was called Mount Moriah. And so here's what I think God's taking us to this morning. A Mount Moriah moment. And... um. The long-term location, wherever that is, I think is dependent on our response this morning. I think it's partly to do with our response to God this morning. How we respond to that Mariah moment where God is calling us to sacrifice and to lay it all on the altar before him. So I'm going to ask Caroline and the band to come up. Ten minutes or so here just to respond to the Lord. Why don't you, wherever you are, I just... I want to just close your eyes and just reflect on what you feel the Holy Spirit's just saying to you at this moment. Thank you, Lord. remember that the Holy Spirit is here today to remind us that when we look at the story of Abraham and Isaac that God wasn't God never really wanted Isaac he wanted Abraham's heart and so without a big massive kind of whooped up altar call or anything here just as a way of response this morning just as a people just 
Just we sing this song, you're my desire, nothing else will do. We'll lay it all down again to hear your voice. I just just gonna invite you just um just to come to the front. You can stand, you can kneel, you can do whatever. But if you just feel and that not maybe this isn't for every single person, I don't know, but I think it's for a lot of us this morning. I think it's for us as a family. Let's just um, seal this like kind of week of prayer and fasting. But all that the Lord's been saying, if we just um, just coming, just praying that God, let's just this kind of blue floor at the front. This peace, God, we just sanctify this and set it up, set it apart for you, Lord, that you would come and just set this set this apart as our altar to you this morning as a people in Jesus' name. And just when you feel ready, just just come to the front as the band lead us. Jesus. Draw me close to you. Jesus. Never let me go. I lay it all down again. Hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. No one else will do. Because nothing else could take your place. To feel. Warmth of your embrace. Help me find the way. Bring me back to you. Nothing else could take your place. 
to feel the warmth of your Help me find the way, bring me back to you. Jesus, as we um, as we make a, a Mariah of our church this morning, of this place that we sit and kneel and stand in, I just thank you what it does in your heart, Father, when you see these now I know moments, oh God. Lord, thank you that these are moments that uh, even in the life of, of Abraham and Isaac, God, that captivate the attention of heaven, God. And God, I just thank you that in these moments, Lord, that heaven is captivated by these moments, oh God, that we sense heaven even come close right now. And we thank you, Jesus, that what we do is we follow your example of death, into life. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, as we as we respond in this way this morning and 
you know what's going on in each individual heart, God. And I just want to pray now, God, for a release, oh God, of whatever your provision looks like, God, in every life. God, I want to speak over every life this morning. Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. And we said, Jesus, you are enough for us, God. You're enough for us. God, if we don't get all the things that we'd love to get, you, but we get you, Jesus, that's enough. That's more than enough. But we know that there's treasure. We know that there's provision. We know that you have good plans for us beyond what we can ever imagine, but we just want to see you, Jesus. And so, God, I pray in the days ahead, Lord, like a father who just starts to open his fingers so a child can peer through. God, I pray, Lord, for our sons and daughters here this morning, God, that they would start to see through the cracks of your fingers, O oh God, the glimpses of the glory that you have set before us, O oh God. And, Lord, that you would give us confidence in who you are to trust in your promises, O oh God. Father, we just say as a people, God, that we want nothing less than your best, oh God, for, for our lives and for this town and for this city. Nothing less than your best, oh God. Thank you that you're looking nothing more or nothing less down our hearts, oh God, holy and undivided. And we give them to you this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Uh, we just want to sing this once more, just even the chorus. And I just want to pray. Could you, would you stand just at this moment if you're, if you're, if you're kneeling, or uh, maybe if you're sitting as well? Would you stand? You know, the thing, the thing about the Bible um, and the understanding of altar in the Bible is that the fire, the fire of God can't come until there's something on the altar. You know, it has to be something on it. And, and so I just want to pray for that. And I want to pray for the fire of God's presence to come upon just the living sacrifices that um, have responded to him this morning. Um, so, Father God, I just pray in these moments that even now, Holy Spirit, you would fall afresh, God. Lord, as we choose to, um, as we choose to die along with Christ, to our flesh and to the things uh, that we would desire. Lord, we pray that even as we decrease God in these moments, that the fire of your presence, O oh God, would come and burn us up, O oh God, and you and your power would increase in us, God. Full of fresh, O oh God, come and power and I. I pray, that, Lord, for a, a fresh baptism of your spirit, God, to come upon every life, God. I pray that you would burn up a new love and passion and desire for you and for your glory and for your name and for your fame, O oh God, in our lives and in our communities, O oh God. And we tell you, God, that you are all we want, Lord. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me. You're all
Holy Spirit, continue on with us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.